Trying to get him. Chris has got a job to do here, and you guys are messing around, wasting his time. We could do an hour podcast on this. We could. Our favorite could. quotes could. of the off. <laughs> Easy. Satori Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Kovar, and assisting me today is Mr. Vince Bardini. Thanks for being here, Vincent. Great to be here. Thank you for so, having me, sir. Mr. Bardini is a long-time martial artist. You started with us as a kid. Yes, sir. And trained from when you were how old till how old? Uh, started when I was eight years old. Uh, trained consistently for eight years uh, through high school, where you know the leadership qualities I learned actually transferred into other sports, which was fantastic. And then about 14 years later, uh, I got took a little time off in. and got back in. Yes, <laughs> yes sir. I got it. So, <laughs> I got to get back. And, and so I know we we're just going to have a casual conversation on on, on martial arts and. And uh, uh, so let's get started. Yeah, um, you know, I think maybe we just kind of start, you know, martial arts, you know, resume. I'm, you know, second degree black belt, uh, you know, under you, sir. Uh, you, you've exposed me to a variety of different martial arts. So, you know, I can proudly say I'm a white belt in jujitsu with one tip. Oh, uh, yes, ma'am. Um, yes. You know, that's going to be a long journey ahead. A very good one tip white belt, <laughs> very by the way. good one tip. Um, but why don't you, you know, tell me a little bit more. I know you have, uh, you know, 10 different black belts, but... There are a few that I can't remember, so can you okay. run down again? Sure. So for starters, it's like, you know, they'll ask about the 10 black belts. And, and what I will tell you is that I have a really bad case of martial arts ADHD. And having black belt in 10 styles really means you're just not very good at anything. It means you can kind of do a lot of different stuff. Um, but I, I started out in, in American Kempo. Uh, my, actually, my first start was in 1971. It was wrestling. Did that for a couple of years. Then American Kempo, I got my black belt in, in uh, Kempo. Uh, Koshoru Kempo, which is old school under James Matosi, kind of kind of more of a traditional looking uh, Japanese style. Uh, um, taekwondo under Grandmaster Jun Ri. Uh, I got I have a black belt in Doce Pares Filipino weaponry, also Serada Filipino weaponry. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Okinawan Kabuto under Shian Nishiuchi and Yaido under Shian Nishiuchi. Uh, let me see uh, black belt equivalent in Jeet Kune Do. Uh, a, in uh, what's called Degerber Blend, which is a mixed martial arts, uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu mm -hmm. under Pedro Sauer and Carlos Valente. Um, I think, I, I, I think that, I, I, I'm not sure if I, I think that's about what we, what it is. Okay. So from, from what you're describing, it sounds like you have, you know, uh, black belts really in like the five uh, fighting ranges, right? You know, that covers kind of what we teach within sure. our curriculum. Sure. Right? So we have like weapons range. Uh, punching and kicking range, clinch, you know, grappling range as well. Uh, is that a, a fair assessment? Yeah, there? absolutely. And and uh, and like I said, it's everybody's journey is different. And uh, you know, if you're first starting out, the goal might not be to be a multi-style black belt. I, I think that uh, uh, you know, it's it's kind of like you have to scratch your itch. So some people, I have nothing but respect for somebody that has started in the system and trained in that system and stayed true to that system. That's all they've ever done. The challenge is sometimes people use that as an excuse not to train anymore. Yeah, I only do one thing. Well, do you even do it anymore? You know, and for me, just the process of learning new material and discovering has always been fun. And I think it kind of is very similar to like, I can only speak one language and that's English, right? Uh, barely. But, yes, me too. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, but my understanding is as you add languages, other ones become easier. And that kind of, it, it sums up to me martial arts. There's only so many ways the elbow bends. So once you understand, like I look at the difference between a black belt in Dosipares, Filipino weaponry, and Serada Escrima, 
there's a lot of similarities, you know. So, so uh, a lot of the the mechanics carry over from one to the other. So there's some little nuances that are a little bit different. And that's true with so many other arts. Yeah, you mentioned you know language because I remember I took four and a half years of, of French in high school, and so you know we're talking about kind of the you know the root bases that you have for you know plural of um, you know them or they or we or a formal you, and that translates you know as talking to my friends that took Spanish. Oh, you guys have that too, and so understanding that there are going to be those you know kind of basic conjugations there that would be very similar. So it sounds like martial arts. Totally, totally. Yeah, for me it was Spanish. I took four years of Spanish one. Okay. <laughs> I flirted with my teacher. She passed me. I never applied myself like I should have. But yeah, so that would be the, the kind of idea with it. And and you know, I never set out to have a, you know to, to like a certain number of black belts or anything. I just still enjoy training. And you know, you search out a teacher, you start working with them, and uh, you know, next thing you know, you got a test coming up. Yeah. So is there any one one style that you're really focused on right now? I know you know uh, two times a month you're training with Shihan Michiuchi, you know Iaido and uh, and Kabuto. There is there anything specifically? Probably the last twenty years I spent a lot more time on jujitsu. Twenty twenty five years actually, mm -hmm. uh, uh, but the last six eight months not as much in there in that regard. So uh, you know for me it's like. Uh, I try to sometimes maintaining is gaining. So, you know, when I'm doing bag work, what style am I doing? You, you know what I mean? It's kind of like everything. When I'm swinging a stick, what am I doing? So, I just try to keep my my attributes, speed, strength, timing, balance, power, accuracy, kind of in check. And then, uh, in a very uh, undisciplined fashion, I will try to stay up on my curriculum. Meaning, I don't have a like, oh, it's the the first uh, Wednesday, I got to make sure that I practice these techniques from this art. I, I don't really do it that way. I, it's kind of more of a kind of a, a gut check. I'll do a thing I call the daily five by five where I don't do it every day even it's just in my head that's what it's called where I will take uh, I will do something five different arts or five different attributes of training for five minutes so like I might do traditional kata for five minutes and then I might do bag work with weapons for five minutes I might practice takedowns for five minutes so that kind of thing just kind of touch some random things just to Keep, keep the body kind of remembering, you know, that muscle memory intact. Yeah, okay. And that's kind of, you know, just again, being physically active, you know, every day, you know, mm -hmm. I think we're always a big proponent of, yes. of that. We don't want to, you know, sit and get, you know, lethargic. It's yep. the longer we can maintain that movement, you know, the, the longer it, it uh, goes for us, right? You know, we yep. don't start to stiffen up and, and you know. Totally, totally. And that's what kind of I see, uh, like in my generation of, of, of martial arts, a lot of my friends that I started with or, or my contemporaries, a lot of them aren't training anymore. There's some that are, certainly. And part of the reason is because uh, a couple things that I see, and I know that like, uh, uh, you know, a Christian who's here listening, uh, who's doing the videotaping, Christian Agrudo has been with us since he was a little kid and he's in charge of the video. He does not, he's an awesome guy. I've probably given him the lecture about 50 times, right, sir? As far as, hey, you train on a regular basis, you know, it's because the habits you develop as a, as a kid, if, if, you, uh, if, you, if you miss some years of training and you're all of a sudden, let's say you haven't done anything, you train until you're 20, you're pretty athletic, and you took 10, 15 years off. Sound familiar? Yes, okay. Sir. <laughs> but you were doing fitness conditioning when you were there. I was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Which you makes, know, yeah, I did cross country and track and, you know, ran collegiately. So I was still physically active. Yeah, you were doing CrossFit as well, right? For a while? Uh, yeah. A little bit of powerlifting. Oh, powerlifting. Yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, but so anyway, the point is, is that I've seen so many times guys will, will they think in their mind they're still 20 mm -hmm. and, and they attempt something, but their body is not conditioned for, so they blow their knee out, hurt their back, etc. Or a lot of the guys from my generation who didn't take their health and fitness seriously, they kind of like, hey man, I'm, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna abuse this body, you know, it's kind of here to, I'm gonna go out, you know, what's the phrase, you, you know, I'm gonna, 
uh, you know, I'm going to I'm going to drive till the wheels fall off type thing. Okay. Well, what happens is all of a sudden you've got a replaced hip, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, you need shoulder replacement surgery, and you you know, you got a blown ACL. Next thing you know, you're not doing anything anymore. So. Uh, I, I just had some mentors and two that really jump out would be Grandmaster June Ree, another one is Grandmaster Ernie Reyes that both like really coached me when I was a lot younger about respecting your body, uh, exercising on a regular basis and, and using moderation because that's going to be able to keep you training when you're older. And, and so uh, then I think the other thing is for longevity is that you just can't compare yourself with other people because when you, you know, it's like uh, we had staff training class this morning. I'm watching some of the young guys doing these head height spinning hook kicks, and I'm going, "Oh, I used to, you know." And I wait a minute, you know, there's a different, you know. In, in other words, anytime you compare yourself, it, usually you either look really good or really bad. But what the best thing to do is to is to just compare yourself with your potential and where you are, and make sure that the material that you're 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 doing is age appropriate, you know, and skill appropriate. Yeah, and not letting your ego get in the way, right? Because yeah. I remember training with you know uh, an old friend uh, here when he was still teaching uh, Nick Lim, and so you know Nick had been training. We were same age, maybe he's a year or two older than I am, but he had been consistently training and instructing and, and everything, and his form is still you know spot on, spot on, spot on. When I came back, I'm like, oh, I can still do that. We were on the red and black attack, the demonstration team together. And it's it's just not the case, right? Yeah, that extra ten years he had made a difference, right? <laughs> yes, it, it, exactly. And you know, uh, I remember when I came back too, they asked, "Oh, can you still do you know these forms?" And I'm going to blame Mr. Agurto for asking me to do my double leg 540 again. Um, and so that's you know where you're bringing you know both feet over the top and, and landing on them. And yes, I can still do it, but everything hurts when I land. It that never happened. Yeah. And, and so, you know, we just got to remember it's, we got to train for the body that we're in right yeah. now, the body and, that we have. And then that's one of those things it's okay to do every now and then, mm -hmm. but if you did it on a regular basis, you're setting yourself up for injury. You, you know, it's like, it's like uh, uh, a few years back, Chip Townsend, who's this amazing world-class martial artist, had a booth at the Super Show, and it was see how high you can kick. And I have a pretty good jump spinning crescent kick. And it was like, I, dang I it. I was there for that. Were you there? I was. Dang it, you know, I'm gonna get, you know, it took me forever, but I got like the seven and a half foot thing. Oh, you were there, you skiddo. Yes, yes, sir. And I felt it for like, I, I couldn't do that. If I do that every day, I, I, I wouldn't be able to. I felt that, that it, I, I think it was worth it, but it, you know, I probably threw 30 kicks to hit it, and I felt it for a week afterwards, you know, so I get it. Well, so, I, I was thoroughly impressed okay. by that. Right. <laughs> um, so, why don't you tell me a little bit about, you know, I've, I've heard numerous times, but maybe the people listening, you know, haven't. What got you started in martial arts? So it's interesting. We Everybody has their story. For me, uh, we were, I was probably uh, five or six years old. My family was living in Montana, and we were, I mean, we were driving across country or across the city. I don't even know, but I remember seeing a silhouette of a guy doing a flying sidekick. And I didn't know what it was. I just knew that's what I wanted to do. And so it's kind of like I didn't find martial arts. Martial arts found me. It was just something... You know, you know, it was just that looked the coolest thing possible, and I was really small for my age, and I didn't really get bullied any, you know, a little bit here and there, but it's not like I was bullied. It was just I was very conscientious of being small, and I wanted to be able to defend myself. And then, so like the Green Hornets, mm -hmm. you know, Cato, Bruce Lee, that was a big deal. And then, uh, and I tried to get my parents to let me do martial arts, but back in the '60s, kids, it was wasn't it was very uncommon and it was you know you just people looked at it different it was like a sport for ruffians you know it's going to make you a, a you know a hoodlum so to speak so it, it was so my did my in seventh grade my my pop did let me wrestle so i went able to go out for the junior high school wrestling i did that for three years and then uh, my older brother tim uh when he was uh, when i was in about eighth grade he went away to college and he did a year of taekwondo training at, at a college in montana and came back and said 
mom and dad, you got to let Dave do martial arts. You, know, you really do. So yeah, I was chafing at the bit, and we went down and enrolled at the local, uh, you know, uh, martial arts school. That was September of 1973, and uh, that was just kind of the start. And the good news about my instructor, his name was Hunchy Bruce Jutnick, is that back then, and all, any old-time martial artist that's listening to this will be able to identify, when you'd meet another martial artist, the first thing you'd ask them is what style they were. And, and, and then you'd decide if you were friends with them or not based on the style. It was a really weird thing. Like Taekwondo guys didn't like Shotokan guys who didn't like Kung Fu guys who didn't like Kempo guys. It was this, this, you know, this crazy mess, which is so crazy because we're all, you know, you know, family, martial arts family, right? Yeah. But that's just the way it was. But my instructor tend to be really open-minded back early. So, you know, at our school, although it was an American Kempo school, we, we uh, uh, you know, did Kodenkan Jiu-Jitsu, which is old school Jiu-Jitsu, and he exposed us to Filipino weapon really early on. So, I was uh, I was fortunate to have an instructor that was open-minded and receptive. Mm -hmm. So uh, um, a lot of times people were preached that this is the only style artist has the only style everything else is bad. Don't bother. Kind of you know that narrow focus. And so I was never taught that. So that made uh, you know learning a little easier. Okay. And that would, and so it sounds like that mindset of learning multiple styles, which you've gone on you know with those black belts, has kind of permeated yes. throughout you know since the beginning of your training uh, throughout your entire martial arts career. Which is, you which know, is wonderful. Yeah, well, you know, one of the things that the, the term Shoshin, Shoshin means beginner's mind, and it's one of the five spirits of Budo. And uh, the whole idea is it, in the mind of an expert, there's one option. In the mind of a beginner, there's many. Meaning, keep an open mind, learn from everyone. And, and I just learned that term maybe 15 or 20 years ago, but fortunately, that was what was instilled in me in my instructor, is that it, it was when you see some another, another martial arts, another style, Try to figure out what you know. What is it? You, what is it that you like? As Bruce Lee would say, you know, absorb what is useful and disregard the less, mm -hmm. the rest. Excuse me. And so that was kind of a. Uh, that's so. That's just naturally how I was programmed. So, to this day, if I go to a school or instructor, my eye automatically because you can always find fault with anything or any you know mm -hmm. you know. But my I usually don't go there. My default mechanism. Hmm, let me see. What do I like that they're doing here? What can I use? And uh, that's been helpful, I think. Yeah, because you know, at the the basis of martial arts, you know, is self defense, whether it's physical or mental, right? And so we know that not one style is going to be, you know, the the end all for for defending ourselves. And so I think it's really important to just have an open mind anytime you're going to, you know, whether it's you know an academy, a school, you know, learning different styles, just kind of have that open mind, be receptive, like you said, what's going to work for me because the way your body works is going to be different than the way my body works, Absolutely. the way our uh, mind is wired. You know, someone's throwing you know a big swinging right at you. Your go-to move might be different than my go-to. Absolutely. Move. I can tell you, for me, it's four swords. Okay. That, that's my go-to right, move. That's the right. one that's stuck with me this whole time. All right. Very cool. Yeah. Um, so for for me, you know, my my martial arts story is, um, you know, I still remember his name. Uh, his name's Sean Blotty. He was a student here for. Oh geez, he earned his junior black belt. I can't remember if he ever earned his his first degree. Um, I would say he did though, because I think he was at uh, he helped me with my thesis. Okay, course. okay. Um, but it just came to a buddy day. Um, you know, I was his buddy, and you know, just came to a buddy day, tried it out the one class, and then came for the orientation. And then you know, we were actually just talking about white belt moments during our, our staff meeting not too long ago. And I remember in room two, the junior floor. Uh, I remember being at the front of that room with a, a young man, you know, Charlie B. And, uh, you know, blonde kid about my size, and, you know, I just, I, I loved it, you know, and I, I was hooked from that point. 
and you know Ninja Turtles had a, yeah. a huge influence early 90s you know that's kind of the the big thing there for 80s you know you talk about Karate Kid all the time Ninja Turtles was it yeah yep. were you there when we had Ernie Reyes Jr. come to school I was not okay no okay. no I missed Ernie Reyes Jr. and I missed Chuck Norris by a few yeah. years as well got it, got it. okay so uh, anyway Ninja Turtles yeah yeah so Ninja Turtles just seeing you know what they were doing you know all the nunchaku and everything and you know it's hey this is fun this is what I want to do and when I was enrolled, my parents were like, you know, this is, you know, you're going to be learning lots of cool stuff. And all I thought was I'm learning how to punch and kick and, you know, learn how to use weapons. And then, you know, the life skills just kind of, uh, you know, transform my life. And that was uh, kind of how I got started. Very cool. Yeah. 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 It's funny. I remember you as a, you know, uh, anyway, I, I still have lots of memories of you as a little guy. Yeah. Red and black attack. And you may not remember this, but when I, when I first started it, was probably within the first six months of my training. Okay. We had a big carnival here, and so there was a dunk tank, there was a big Velcro flywall uh, in room three, there were some other things going on in room two. You were sitting on the dunk tank, and I uh, <laughs> I had you know a few balls to throw, and I missed you know three times, and whoever was you know telling me to, to throw the balls got your attention, and you know they said, hey, go up there and just hit it, and I went up and hit it, and I do remember that. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> And that water was cold, by the way. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't think it was uh, the warmest time of the year that we had that. So don't trust this guy. So he doesn't <laughs> play by the rules. That's clear. <laughs> I was thinking outside the box. Sir. Okay. okay. <laughs> um, you mentioned uh, important mentors, you know, or instructors that pushed you, you know, uh, Grandmaster, you know, June Rhee. Um, you know, I remember he actually came out to my second degree test, and I think he played harmonica uh, to <laughs> Uh, for that test, you, uh, you mentioned you know Bruce Drucknick as a mentor, uh, Shihami Shiuchi. Um, uh -huh. Those are probably three significant figures in your life. Any others that? Boy, lots, and I'm yeah. sure you have a lot as well. You know, there's a lot of non-martial arts. When I think that the number one mentor, hands down, would be my father. Mm -hmm. And uh, my, he's still alive. He's 99 years old. He's you know he doesn't have his memory. You know he's got dementia. He's not. The, the person exactly he's still the person he always was but a weaker version let's say but you know the thing about my pop was uh, you know he, he still is just you know got this amazing attitude about things you know he was uh, a prisoner of war he was uh, in World War two he spent nine months in a, a Nazi uh, German prison war camp and did a couple death marches and survived a near firing squad and three days with 65 guys on a four a six a eight by 40 um, uh, train, uh, you know, mm -hmm. a cubicle thing. If you imagine that, that's yeah. about that's about five square feet per person, you know. And uh, but but some people come back from that; they would come back bitter. You know, he came back better because of it, and with a kind of a, an appreciation for life. And so I can think of so many things where his example, like one time that jumps out, is that we're at, I was a I was young. I looked younger than I was, and. We we're waiting in line to go to the movies, and you know, at, at, at the time, you could get a discount for 12 and under, and I was probably 14 or 15, and I go, Dad, you know, we can save a buck if you tell everybody I'm 12 years old, because I look it, and he looked at me and said, my honesty, my word is worth more than the buck I'm gonna save by lying about your age. You know what I'm saying? That's little stuff, it's like, most of the time, we don't think much of that, uh, no big deal, but to him, it was like, no, man, I'm, you know, I'm a person of my word, and, and so that would be a, like a really important influence for me, and then, uh, of course, a lot of influence from my older brother Tim, and and then we went, you know, this Tony Robbins and Brian Tracy and Zig Ziglar, all those people that we did a lot of you know interaction with, not just on certainly on the audio, but but in in live events, and then 
Shin Nishiuchi to this day, he's a, uh, he's like a real samurai. He's like the, my probably what I consider my teacher now. He's been an amazing influence as far as just kind of living the martial way, you know, kind of holding yourself to a high standard and doing the best you can to kind of live into it. So what about you? Uh, for me, you know, big mentors, you know, we always, I think we always mention fathers, you know, my dad will always help me find mentors. Uh, so I, I look at that as a way of, of mentoring. You know, he know, he knows what he doesn't know and okay. what he, he can't teach me. And so, you know, that was one, one reason for putting me in martial arts. Uh -huh. He's, he knows that the values that I would learn here, he wouldn't necessarily be able to teach because, you know, he was running his own business, owned a convenience store for, for 14 years. And so he wasn't able to, to be as, as active in my life as he wanted to. But at, all I remember, you know, growing up is him showing up. And so, you know, that is, you know, a big thing. I remember he'd go and do graveyard shifts and stuff, but what stands out is I know I could always count on him to, to be there. Um, of course, you know, you, sir, were a, a big part in my life and, you know, transforming my, my informative years. Um, and then my cross-country head coach in high school, Coach Bob King, uh, coached for many, many years, even in pseudo-retirement. Um, he's... <laughs> the one thing I always remember about Coach King is it was always, you know, get your head out of your, out of your rear. Um, he didn't say it as kindly as that, but, you know, he made sure that, you know, you made a commitment to the teams who you were going to be at practice, mm -hmm. you know. So we always talk about DNSing our students. If it was six 6.35 and I wasn't at 6.30 practice, he was on the phone. He was calling, wondering, you know, why you weren't there. Like, so he established that he had habits of, like, accountability early on. Mm -hmm. yeah. Exactly. That was, uh, that was a big one. And, you know, I have, I have, there are people that have taught me lessons that maybe I wouldn't count as mentors because I didn't sure. spend a lot of significant time with them. And, you know, sometimes it was things that not to do, what not to do. Sure. Right? Because totally. we, we start, you know, conversing with people that, you know, maybe it's like, oh, I wouldn't do things necessarily that way. I would take it and do it that way. So, you know, like uh, at previous jobs, you know, just working with, you know, some, some management. I didn't like the, the environment that was created. So you successfully yeah. identified with something that you didn't want to do. Exactly. Right? Well, I tell you, a lot of times it's like we have to remember that, that you know, our, our interactions on a daily basis have an, have an effect on people. And you, sometimes it's the one thing someone said one time, you know, either positive or negative, that can, ha that can be, you know, positive or detrimental. And, yeah, it's, it's like uh, that's why our position, you know, especially if you're around people that are younger than you or you're mentoring others is that, you know, we got a, a couple things that jump out to me. If you really want some to in, be able to influence someone, you know, they should respect you, but I really think they got to like you too. Like if you ever think of a school teacher you didn't like, you didn't try as hard for them, you know? So, so uh, the importance of being able to establish rapport with people is just crucial in, in our ability to be able to help to mentor them. Yeah. So does your family share the same passion with martial arts that, uh... So everybody, my immediate family, of course my pop, one of my favorite moments was my 94-year-old dad sparring my at the time, 22-year-old son, when he was testing for an advanced degree black belt, and I got to be the center official. Yeah. <laughs> I watched the video of it, and I get all choked up. You know, it was really cool. So, uh, yeah, Marshall, obviously, my, my pop got his third-degree black belt on his 80th birthday. He started with me, to me, with me, he was actually my student. He started in his late 50s, right? Uh, and, uh, of course, my older brother, Tim, and his, and his wife and their, two, their boys, all three of their boys got their black belts as well. Uh, my wife is a black belt. She hasn't trained for a long time. My son uh, is a, a black belt and also a really uh, good jiu-jitsu practitioner. He still trains in jiu-jitsu on a regular basis. My daughter also got her black belt. Uh, she is not actively training. Uh, she keeps herself fit, although like last Sunday we came down, she wanted to hold, and I held mitts for her, so she's still, at some point I assume she's going to get back into it, so, but clearly the martial arts lifestyle has had a, uh, a strong influence on, on you know, 
uh, what we do. You know, to this, it's kind of funny, kind of part of me for martial arts is health, fitness, and martial arts is not just martial arts. And, and my kids, uh, I, I eat, for most people would say I eat pretty clean, I'm primarily plant-based. And, uh, okay, I'm plant-based, all right? You know, I just say, uh, uh, and uh, my kids growing up would just harass me about, you know, how, you know. by the way, for them, at the house, we had certain food. When they went out to eat with their friends, they didn't do anything they wanted. It was never, but we just is how we cook at home. And and uh, now as adults, they used to give me a hard time about, you know, how, you know, today, you know, like one time they saw me having whatever it was, uh, you know, some almond ice cream, and they're, you know, oh, you can't even have a real, you know, they just give me a hard time about it. And, and uh, But now as, as adults, they both eat really clean, you know, and, and it's like, oh, they were paying attention. They may have been harassing me. Yeah. So I look at the martial arts as kind of a lifestyle, you know, and so if that said, you know, my family practice is a pretty healthy lifestyle. Yeah, yeah I for, my, for the life of me, I can't convince my wife to train martial arts. I, I, I'm thinking of one style specifically that I think she would just love. I think she'd love to do Krav Maga, just kind of, you know, just hitting things sure. as hard as she can, sure. just being really aggressive with it because she kind of has that that mentality of, you know, more the, the ground and pound right, type right. mentality. Um, Three-year-old daughter, seven-month-old son, can't convince him to, you know, do much. Pretty soon, much though. That daughter's going to be pretty soon. Yeah, yeah pretty soon. Yeah. She'll be that, uh, she won't let me brush her hair, so she'll be that kid in class that just hair is kind of, you know, okay. going everywhere. But, you know, we're going we're gonna to eat her in there. I've already taught her the four basic positions. Okay, great. And cool. she can do a ki as well, and it's it's the cutest thing. Yeah, absolutely. She doesn't put her right leg back, but she turns her body, sticks out her butt, and her hands go Okay, very cool. Like that. Very cool. <laughs> well, you know, what's, you know, the key is to... To have her come down every now and then and watch class, man, that'll get her excited about it. Yeah, that's fun, man. Well, you're just getting into it, so one of the things that the advice I would give you is that when my kids were, they both started when they were, you know, four or five, whatever it was, and uh, uh, I, I would tell them out of the gate when there there's two things you have to do, you have to go to school and you have to do martial arts. Now, if you want to play soccer, as long as you finish the season, you're fine. If you want to play a piano instrument, as long as you do it for a year, you don't have to do it after that. But this is what we do. We go to school and we do martial arts. And so I, I know that several times growing up, and I also didn't force it down their throat, like meaning, uh, you know, they, I didn't make them come more than they that they they had to. It wasn't like you have to come every day, you know. Yeah. It was, uh, and I can tell there was times when, uh, you know, they didn't really want to go, but in the back of their mind, they're thinking, ah, uh, you know, I know we have to go. And then what I would do is, is is they'd come back after class, they'd be happy and in a good mood. I go, Are you glad you went to class? Yeah, it was great fun. What you do? Huh? And I'd say, Well, do you remember how you? I could tell you didn't really want to go, right? Yeah, but aren't you glad you did? Yes. So kind of anchoring that feeling is, is something. So I would that would be something to be thinking about is program early that this is what we do. Well, and that's an important tip I think for for anyone, right? You know, if you're trying something new and you know you're really enthusiastic about it about the beginning, just remind yourself, you know, each time, you know, at the end, hey, I really enjoyed this. I can't wait to go back. It doesn't matter what age you are, right? It yep. can be, you know, you could be five years old, you could be 55 years old, you could be 95 years old. It's like, this is something new, I'm enjoying it, let's anchor in on that feeling so I can remember it next time it comes up and I don't feel as motivated yep. as I did the, Perfect. the next yeah, absolutely, day. Absolutely, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, martial arts, you've been doing it for many years. How's that kind of permeated into your life and your relationships for others? How's that, that worked out? Uh, you know, I, I don't even know what life would be like without, you know, martial arts training for me. You know, I just can't imagine, you know, I, I, uh, it's hard to say. But uh, I, I will tell you that, uh, that the tenets of martial arts and something that we've kind of developed over the years, the mastery mindsets, which is kind of like mental martial arts, you kind of alluded to it earlier, is that uh, that's something that like, you know, as you age, you're not going to kick higher. And you're not gonna be punch faster. You know, there there comes a point where you're gonna get diminishing returns. I see it 
in, in, my, in, in, in a lot of areas in my training. And, and that, uh, and if you, if you dwell on it, it can be a little depressing, but you know, you, it, it's, it's, there's still plenty of things I can do and, and will continue to do for a really long time. And, and, uh, but what, what, what we can always do is we can, we can improve our mindset on a regular basis. And, and that's uh, a lesson that, that I think, uh, you know, martial arts has taught me. And what, let me give you an example would be, let's just say someone throws a big right at me. There's a lot of different ways I can handle it, right? One way is I can stop, I can go power to power, right? And what that is, that's kind of facing a problem head on. And by the way, nothing wrong with that. Sometimes that's what you gotta do, mm-hmm. okay? But also, you can, uh, you can sometimes just step out of the way and let it pass. And, and that's what we, sometimes we, we, uh, we can avoid challenges by, by you know, finding a way to skirt around them, so to speak. And how often do people draw conflict among, on the, among themselves, on the, among, on, onto themselves when it's not really necessary, right? And, and so uh, and what part of that is, is going out of your way to not find reasons to be offended. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So the whole idea with uh, like the samurai mindset is uh, it, it's very similar to the Native American that today's a good day to die that we've heard. Samurai was like ready to die at any moment. Uh, uh, and by the way, I'm sure there were some samurai that didn't live by that rule, but that's the the budo that we kind of the, the the bushido code that we kind of try to live up to. And I'm sure a lot of them did live that ideal. But what that means is is that you because of that you're ready to live the very you're not going to be stupid about it. Right, and so what you're going to do is you're going to do your best to, uh, uh, to n- not make the situation worse than 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 it is by by uh, like adding drama to it. Uh, there's there's a there's a, a kind of a story, a parable about the two arrows. I don't know if you're familiar with it or not, but uh, I, I think you probably are. But there's two. You know, you can get shot by an arrow, and you had, didn't see that coming. You didn't see that coming. You just get by the hit by the arrow, right? Mm-hmm. That's the first arrow. The second arrow is how you deal with that, and that would be, oh, I can't believe I got shot by how terrible this is, and oh man, but, but well, that's that's making it worse. Or you deal with it, right? And and that's not unique to martial arts, but that martial arts has shown me that, and that's something that that I think you can you know you could get better at you know all you know throughout your whole life is trying to apply the concepts that we teach on the mat in the real world yeah if we're talking about you know arrows hitting us you know right now i mean we were all you know reeling from from 2020 still you know here we are two years later and you know we kind of got hit everything's shutting down what do we do and now you know you know there have been kind of those roller coaster rides you know we're open we're closed we're open we're closed and so now you know we've been hit with that first arrow we know what's going to happen or you know what's the the worst that could happen because i don't think it's ever gotten as worse you know, as it first did, and so I think you know we've all kind of come out better as you know being able totally. to handle those and, types of situations. And to your point, like you know this this latest trend, it's oh no, you know I find myself going oh no, you know this again. And wait a minute, what I'm doing is I'm drawing that second arrow to me. You know, mm-hmm. just take a breath, be calm and methodical, and get through the day. You know, in other words, what can you do? Any challenge you have, you know, you do the best you can today and you don't worry about it beyond that. You get up tomorrow and you do the same thing. You know, and I think COVID's taught us that really well. Yeah, and it's funny you mentioned, you know, doing the best that you can. Something that my grandfather has always told me and told my dad and my dad has relayed to me is kind of the generational fatherly advice is doing the best with what you have at the time. Because there's only, you know, so much you can do. If you start worrying about, you know, this over here and that over there, well, I can't totally. have an effect on, on what's going on in all these different places. I can only do the best with what's what's around me so important so there's things you can control and there's things you can't control yeah right and the things you can control which really there's not a lot no but you can control 
your pers- your, the way you view things, mm-hmm. that's in your choice. You, know, you can control where your mind goes, right? Mm-hmm. But you can't control what the economy is going to be, and you can't control what other people are going to think or do. Mm-hmm. But there is things you can influence. You can influence your health. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can influence your relationships. You, know, you can influence the success of your business. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And, and so you, you do what you can yeah. you know, with what you have, absolutely. Yeah. You have any of those conversations in your head where you know, you're going into a meeting with someone and you're going through all those different scenarios of conversations and you kind of end up going into that with your guard up maybe or maybe it's a little more relaxed thinking, oh, they're going to say this, they're going to say this. And realistically, that's not how it pans out, right? We're kind of, you know, imagining, you know, that that scenario, and we have no control over what they're going to do. But in our mind, we already know it's going to go go this way. Or we get really mad at somebody for the argument that we had with them in their in our head. Yeah, on the car ride home, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I can't believe they they didn't say that. I just imagine they said that. You know, there's a scenario, and I don't know if you've seen this or not before, but if uh, uh, so, and if you have, just play along with me. Just sit up a little bit. So in your response, I'm going to do something. I want you to respond really quickly. What's your response? You put your guard up, right? If I put my hand out, you put your hand out. So so that's being reactive to your environment, to your point. But if you put your guard up, I can respond with the guard up. That's the reactive. Or I can you put your guard up, and I can go like this. And you put your hand out, and so to the ability to be able to take that energy into a negative environment. You know what I'm saying? To where you go somewhere where people have their guard up, not not uh, yeah, uh, not physically, but you know, kind of emotionally, and being able to put your hand out, so to speak. By the way, I posted this. I wrote a little thing about this a few weeks back, and some guy says. Dumbest thing you can do is go shake somebody's hand up when they have their guard up, and I, I didn't mean it literally. Yeah, you know, like, I, it's like, <laughs> like I'm not gonna walk up, put my hand, get too close to you, you know, when your guard is up. But more figuratively, metaphorically speaking, is that uh, can you, you know, go into a room and decide, all right, you know, I'm going to, you know, try to resolve this situation or the conflict, whatever it might be, in a peaceful way. I always look, what's my desired outcome, and, and that, that that's always helpful to kind of navigate this this, this situation. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that sounds like more of a, a routine that, that you've created, right? You know, because all those interactions, you know, you imagine people maybe having their guard up initially going into that. So you've created that routine of preparing yourself to go in with, you know, an open hand to shake their hand. How has martial arts kind of affected your, maybe your daily routine or your professional routines? How has it permeated there? Well, interesting thing happened this morning at, at the building where we're doing this videotaping uh, in the area, there's a lot of homeless people, right? It, so I showed up this morning real early and there was a couple that were sleeping on the, by, by the gates, on this side of the gate. And of course, you know, it, it, you, know you don't want to be mean, you're rude, but, uh, uh, so I, uh, but at the same time, if you're too nice, it seems like you draw more, uh, you, you, you know, yeah, they're not taking advantage of it. Yeah. Well, uh, so I open up the gate and makes a lot of noise, and then I, I very loudly said, "You guys need to." By the way, there was crap everywhere. They had, you know, stuff all over the parking lot. I said, uh, "We're open for business. You need to get your stuff cleaned out." Okay, mm-hmm. and I was pretty firm, and I went upstairs. And by the way, the guy looked up, and it was a young couple, kind of. It was hard on my heart. They were probably in their mid to late twenties, mm-hmm. and they didn't look too. I mean, they looked with a shower and a haircut like any other mid to late twenty year old kids. You know, a, a guy and a gal. And and when I interacted, I, I locked eyes with the one guy. I saw in him not some like evil, you know, you know what I'm saying, like yeah. like a psychopathic drug addict. I saw a young struggling kid that maybe's made made a couple of bad decisions. And I went upstairs and I just felt so bad about the way I treated him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by the way, I wasn't super rude, but I wasn't like super, uh, 
uh, you know, friendly as well. So I, I got them both a cup of tea, mm -hmm. and I went downstairs and I went out this door here, and I and I basically went up and, and uh, uh, they were putting their stuff together, and I said, hey man, you know. Thank you for cleaning up the stuff. Here's some tea. There's a dumpster over there. Uh, 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 you know, if you can put your stuff away, that would be great. Uh, uh, appreciate you. Do yeah, anyway, and went about my business. And the good news is they cleaned up all their mess, which was great. Yeah. But I, I guess the point was is I don't know without martial arts or without feeling confident in myself that I would have been empathetic at all. I could have been better. I could have bought them breakfast. I could have brought them in you, you know what I'm saying there's more I could have done but but I feel like at least I, I didn't make them hate humanity more after my interaction mm -hmm. it was just more of a you tried to leave it as more of a positive interaction yeah polite but curt, polite yeah. but you know please don't come back here I wish you well you know uh, uh, type conversation I, I got a little sidetracked but that's, yeah <laughs> uh, yeah so uh, we were talking about you know routines you're always a big proponent of you know daily routines mm -hmm. you know I think you've explained um, you know how you kind of have this morning routine that you mm -hmm. go through you talk about the routine where every time you come into the dojo you walk mm -hmm. around to absorb hey right. I get to, to right. do this for a living so Tell us a little more about those. Well, uh, I think uh, the bottom line is is that, is that the, there's so much negativity in the world. And, and by the way, and we're drawn to negativity naturally because that's a survival, That's a, as a species, that's how we survive, is looking for the stuff that might happen. Yeah. You know, it, you know, we got to know that, that we hear a rumor that the village on the other side of the, uh, of the lake is thinking about attacking us. Mm -hmm. You know, we've got to have our antennas up. The dog barks in the middle of the night. Boom! What you know? Is there some, you know, yep. that's what's kept us. Because if we didn't have that, you know, our forefathers wouldn't have made it. You yeah. know, so, and so we got to know that we're programmed for for that to draw for that. And what the issue is now with 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 you know TV and social media and television, uh, you know, uh, that's what sells. That's what people that what gets people to go turn on the TV. You know, is negativity. And so we've got to really watch that. And so one of the things is is that. If you, the first thing you do in the morning is you wake up and you turn your phone on and start scrolling, uh, then what's going to happen is is that you're going to get sucked into some stuff that this, you're not going to be at your best. So for me, the first, uh, it, it depends on the day, but at least the first hour for me, I never go to my phone. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I, I want to wake up on purpose. So I wake up really early. That started when my kids were little and I was working late hours and the only time I was going to have time on my own is if I got up before them. You can I'm, I'm guilty of that. Yes, yes. yes. I've started getting yeah. up at 5 o'clock now to get that extra hour. You have to because yeah. otherwise it's, you can't, you know, you got your kids there, they don't listen, you know, and the three and seven months? Uh, yeah, three years old and seven months. Yeah, old. you're a busy dude right oh, now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah you so, said the other day, I'll never be more busy than I am You'll never now. be more busy than you are right <laughs> now, that's right. And so that, that's when it happened and so, you know, for me it has to do with uh, uh, reading some some literature that I find ins inspirational and motivating, uh, exercising, get a little quiet time, and and then after that, uh, uh, then that's when I will uh, uh, pull up my phone, look at my email. The other thing that a ritual I have is, and I when I say try not to, like we were, you and I were on the road in Florida last weekend at a seminar, so I did check my email later at night because I hadn't had a chance to. But normally I try not to check my email after seven at night unless I was at the one of the schools until later but if I'm home earlier just because by the time you get that negative email yeah. uh, and it's now you check it it's it, imagine 9 30 at night you go oh there's nothing you can do it's too late and then you fret about it all night yeah. and and so uh, but just to be to remind myself you know there's going to be challenges today and that's okay I'll get through it okay uh, I, but if when, when you bring your best self to a challenge whatever the challenge is you handle it better and so that's why for me that that 
you know, that the whole term satori, our definition of satori, traditionally it's a moment of enlightenment or a moment of deep understanding. Our definition, as you know, is in your moment at your best. And it refers to that present state of consciousness when you have mental clarity, physical energy, and emotional calm. Mm -hmm. And so the more power time we can spend there, the better off. Yeah. Now, do you feel like having that little extra sense of control over your life is, is important because you can you know how you can start your day by not checking your phone, by you know, doing power stances, by getting that workout in, having that self-discipline, creating more of control over your own destiny. And in that essence, you start the day off the way you want to start it, or totally. you start your work day off the way that you want exactly. to start Exactly, you've got a victory for the day already. If nothing else happens, I got my workout in, I got my meditation, I got my breathing in, you know, that pop. Whatever else happens, I'm good for it. So you're actually, it's like you're armed and ready for battle more so, you know, uh, than you would be if you just kind of let the day get away from you and every little thing kind of, you know, uh, how many times has, have you heard someone say it's going to be one of those days? I mean, I've thought that before. Yeah. And then what are you doing? You're looking for stuff. See, what else could go wrong? Oh, this is, boom, and all of a sudden your eye's looking for everything that possibly could be wrong. And when you train your eye for that, you're going to find plenty of stuff. Yeah, I think, uh, so Master Tursek, when he was presenting, you know, this last weekend, he was talking about when he bought, you know, his car, he's like, yeah, I'm going to have this car. But then all of a sudden, he saw that car everywhere he went on the road. It's like, I didn't realize so many people had this car. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, you know, you're, what you put, what you look for in life is what you're going to find. And 100%. so if you find, you know, control and routine, you're going to have greater control and routine, you know, within your, your own life, which, you know, is important. And it talks about, you know, going back to those two arrows. If we have more control over how we react to that first arrow, it's going to make that second arrow, you know, get deflected from us, right? Totally. Yeah. And, you know, it's like one of those things where uh, easy say, hard to do, but worthy of the challenge. So, you know, I think I, we're, going to, we're going to wrap pretty quick, but I, I wanted to, my, my closing thought would be uh, there's a book by a guy named Dan Millman. Uh, Dan Millman was pretty well, people still, a lot of people know him, but, but he was one of the guys, one of my mentors. He wrote a book called The Way of the Peaceful Warrior, and it was a kind of a coming-of-age book written probably in the 80s or something. And he's written several other books as well. But in that, he talks about his life story and you know all the things he overcame. And he finally, he got through all these challenges, and now he's in his mid-20s, and he's I believe he's on a beach in Spain, and he's found enlightenment. He's like, I finally got to figure it out. I'm never going to have a challenge ever again. I'm there. I get it. And, you know, he's like, he knows, man. He's got to figure life figured out. And, of course, then what happens? <laughs> you know, life kicks in and the plane is laid. And, you know, all of a sudden he finds him draw back in. So the phrase is before enlightenment chop wouldn't carry water, after enlightenment chop wouldn't carry water, which means, you know, a, what, a book I wrote is actually called Brief Moments of Clarity. It's based on this thought, is that every now and then we get real vision of, ah, this is how it's supposed to be. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And, and then, but stuff will come and grab you. So, but the more... You work on trying to get there. I think you can, over time, be there more often, which is going to create this, uh, you know, this, this, the, the trend in a, in a way more positive direction. It's going to allow you to handle your challenges easier. Uh, uh, you know, allow you to, to interact in a more positive way, and you're just going to get more of the same results. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, before we wrap, so if you could pick like one important lesson that martial arts has taught you, if you could narrow it down to just one, or maybe a couple. Whoa, oh man, things. keep your hands up. Okay. <laughs> I thought I was going in for a handshake. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or something. Yeah, or, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, so many. Maybe another podcast we can talk about that more in detail. Sounds great, sir. I look All forward right. to it. All right. Thanks, man. Yeah, thank you, sir. Appreciate the time.